Listener Production. Okay, are you recording? Howdy and welcome along to episode 78 of the Howie Games Part A. Firstly, give yourselves a pat on the back. Well done to all of you having a listen. Hope to put some sunshine in your day. This week's episode actually comes to you from North Stradbroke Island where the Howie Games crew are having a bit of a spell. What a spot it is too, by the way. But the episode was actually recorded back in April as our guest was just setting out on what has been a record-breaking season in V8 supercars. He's got the lights flashing and McLaughlin responds for Ford fans on Sunday in New Zealand. By the way, thanks to the good people at Fox Sports and V8 Supercars for the audio used in the show. Scotty McLaughlin is the hottest thing, the hottest thing in V8 Supercars. In only his seventh full-time season in the category, he has hordes of devoted fans who love his aggressive nature on track and very approachable nature off it. This bloke is the real deal with trophies galore to prove it. Mystery, what is to be? So much more than meets the eye Listen to me, time is your key You will find out by and by But for all his wins, it's actually a loss back in 2017 that has truly shaped Scotty's career and made him the man that he is today. Scotty takes this podcast into areas where it's probably only been once before with Kate Campbell in describing the desolation and embarrassment, Scotty's word, not mine, that an athlete feels when they lose something everyone expected them to win. He then takes the show into completely uncharted areas with a fascinating explanation of what he did with a lot of expert help from a lady named Emma Murray to rebuild his psyche and turn him back into a winner. It's pretty raw. I found it absolutely captivating and quite brilliant. I reckon you will too. He can check out Scotty's book, which he wrote in conjunction with a very good friend of the show, Tim Hodges, a.k.a. The Huckle. It's called Road to Redemption. It inspired a lot of the themes of this episode. You can get it at the track where the V8s are racing, so it'll be on sale at Bathurst this weekend if you're making the annual pilgrimage to the mountain. Or you can jump on a website, tenbagpress.com.au. That's T-E-N. Brilliant read. Check it out. Scotty also does a tasty little podcast with Richmond AFL star and now two-time premiership player, Jumping Jackie Rewalt. It's called Balls and Bumpers. It's about sport and life. Very nice listening. Check it out. You can do it if you try, try, try. If you try, try, try. Now, on the topic of podcasts, I'm getting a bit weighed down here, but anyway, I'll push on. I'm pretty much used to asking the questions, but did the old switcheroo recently where I was the guest on the Willosophy podcast? It's hosted by a mate of mine for over 30 years who is undoubtedly also Australia's number one comedian, Will Anderson. He's funny and a star on the podcast. I'm probably not, but you can be the judge of that. And finally, after the success of the first Howie Games Live podcast with Sam Willoughby, where people came along and listened, which was really cool, the Howie Games Live team is going back on the road with world champion surfer, if you don't mind, Jolly Parkinson. Parko's got a brilliant story to tell. Four times he came second in the world title race, but he never gave up and was eventually crowned world champion. Cannot wait to sit down with Parko and have a chat with him about life on tour. He might even bring a few special guests along, give away a few prizes. Now, for our New South Wales crew, you can come and sit in the audience and listen to the live podcast and then meet Parko afterwards. The dates, Sydney, November 26, Newey, Newcastle on November 27. There's dates coming up for Gold Coast and Victoria, which are still to be released. But Sydney on November 26, Newcastle, November 27. Just jump on howiegameslive.com.au. That's howiegameslive.com.au. Get your tickets. Come and say good day and check out Parko in the flesh. Okay, anyone who has been knocked down and is wondering how to get back up again, have a listen to Scotty's story. The answers are somewhere in it. Enjoy the wonderful fella that is Scott Thomas McLaughlin. So when you search and then you find And know just where to go And thoughts that once used to cloud your mind You see clearly and now you know Mystery, what is to be Revealed in King Selassie I Come on, children, try it with me. We want to reach Mount Zion.
Scotty McLaughlin, a motor racing uh, legend. Oh, Welcome Jesus, to the Howie yeah. Games. How I'm not a legend, but we'll, we'll go with it. Well, <laughs> you're a legend to me because um, I floated around the periphery of that sport and you've always been a good bloke, evidenced by the fact you just texted me on the way up saying, did I want a coffee? Which is very <laughs> yeah. kind of you. Yes, yeah, no worries, mate. Hey, it's early. It's yeah. early morning. It is early morning. <laughs> How are you going? I'm good. I'm good. Just... Uh, Stuff's been in Melbourne for a couple of days. Just had a had a race on the weekend and, and feeling good. Yeah. Um, we're here to have a chat, but also because you put out a book, Scott McLaughlin Road to Redemption, with Tim Hodges, who's a man I used to sit next to in the Channel Ten newsroom. <laughs> does a great job now on AFL three sixty, producing that and a lot of the stuff he does at Fox. Yeah. Um, great book because it's not so much. Uh, it's about sport, but it's about mindset, which we'll get to. What yep. was it like writing a book with old Timmy Hodges? Yeah, I, like when he first came to me and said, "Hey, Scotty, I want to, I want to do this. I want to, I want to um, talk about probably the hardest part of your life." Yep. And then follow you, um, and and I and hopefully at the end of it you won. So this is hopefully. Yeah, this is February probably before the season started in 2018. Yep. Um, so one, I didn't want to talk about 2017. And he really made me open up as well. And 2018 was, you know, I hadn't won it yet. I'm, I'm big on, you know, just structure and not even worrying about that sort of stuff. And But, you know, it was a cool thing to have on behind the scenes. And I think uh, he was right there with everything. And I haven't held back on it. It's been uh, completely from the heart. And uh, hopefully it inspire, inspires some young people to get, you know, some help, whether they need it and, and mindset. And um, knowing that they, really whatever happens, you can always come back. The mindset of it is the a part that absolutely fascinates me, which we'll talk about. Did anyone know you were writing the book? Because you've had, a, a, in athletic terms, a shattering defeat. Yeah. And then you start to write a book about what you hope is going to be called The Road mm. to Redemption. Yeah. There's no guarantees you were ever going to do anything in that championship. So this was bubbling along the whole time? Yep, it was. Um, there was only probably a handful of people that knew. Um, I had to get approval from Penske and stuff Uh they're quite strict with like how their their photos um, with my me in the shell gear and stuff. So I've got to be quite independent with that sort of stuff. Um, and then yeah, I reckon the outside of me and Hodgie, it was yeah two or three people. Um, look on Sunday of, of Newcastle 2018, that, that that we we pulled the trigger. That was then we we're like, well, we're we doing this book, and Hodgie's like, oh, I better get going and started making cover photos and. You know, and it's not by any means of autobiography. It doesn't go into where I've come from or whatever. Maybe a few years later that down the track that will come out. But for me right now, that was just a, a purely a diary and something that I thought would be a very cool story. And Hodgie, you know, and Hodgie was the, the guy that made it happen. He's an absolute guru. He, he writes well. And he he's a great mate of mine now. And we've got really close to it, close to each other from it at all. And, um, and uh, yeah, it's just, it was just a lot of fun. The book is called Road to Redemption. Uh, we'll explain later on how you get... Or how do you get hold of it? Uh, it's at major bookstores like Dimmicks and all that sort of stuff. Yep. And also at the races when we go to um, each race is uh, merchandise tents and all that stuff selling it. So it's about 40 bucks. So yeah, no, It's a bargain. Yeah. 40 bucks. So it's unusual <laughs> seeing you not in racing car It's weird, gear. right? It it's is weird, because yeah. how do you go your whole life being in the team polo yeah. and pants and hat? It's so different to like footy. You know, I'm mates with Jack. Revolt. And yeah, he always gives me shit about you know I'm uh, you know I'm always in kit and I've got these jeans with um, Junners as he likes to call it. But um, hey, it's all it's what it's about. You know, we uh, I've grown up having a uniform on, yeah. um, not only at school but also uh, you know at go karting. My dad was really pushing me to be professional, and um, you know it, it was it's really stemmed from that. What's the worst kit you've ever had to wear? Oh, jeez. Because you, you, I'm going to say... Gary Rogers made me dress up as a woman once. So, <laughs> yeah, that, that was pretty big. That would surprise um, me. The slack, yeah. Scotty, for me, it's the slack at the racetrack with yeah. the shoe. I, I <laughs> yeah. generally wouldn't have thought most fit young athletic blokes who like rocking slacks too regularly. And the tucked-in shirt <laughs> and, and stuff. And the tucked-in shirt. I got a bit of a tune-up where I came to Penske because... They're very proven proper. They 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 run um they they you know tucked in shirts, white t shirts, you know, um, ironing all the time and all that sort of stuff. And I'm like I really wasn't really like that. I'm a bit of a grub. As um I I, I dress most of the same stuff all the time. Um and I I just like being pretty casual about things. So um I've definitely turned it up a fair bit. But yeah, the whole Jonas thing's a bit different. <laughs> yeah yeah, different to most sports, I guess you could say. Yeah, we definitely know NBA stars walking in before the thing. Of, um, Maybe that's what it yeah, needs. Maybe yeah. that's what it needs. Hey, I'll tell you in a moment what I think, and this will be a hard one for you to answer before we go back and talk about your story. You are incredibly popular. Whenever I'm at the V8 supercars, you see it at Bathurst or various other venues, you are um, an incredibly popular driver 
Why do you reckon that is? Um, I think uh, I make time for the fans. I um, I also hate feeling like people don't like me, so I always try right. and um, be you know happy and not that I'm a fake person, but more that I just enjoy the interaction. Love social media, so I enjoy all that side of it as well. Um, but yeah, I, I guess some people like me because I'm just who I am. I don't really try and put a face on in the TV. I'm always, you know, say it how it is. And um, I've had a few slip ups along the way, swearing on TV and a few other things. But I think that's why I've got popular. Um, and yeah, I guess I, I've, for me, when I've grown up, I've looked at Craig Lowndes. Um I wasn't around when Brocky was here. Obviously, I followed him when I was younger, but. Yeah, you know, he, he made so much time for the fans, and I think you're as a driver, you're an idiot not to not to resemble him and how he looks after everyone, how he looks after his sponsors. Because mm. look at how successful he's been in the sport. Um, someone had to eventually take that mantle, and I work been working very hard to be one of the popular guys when he leaves, um, and which he did end of last year. And um, yeah, I feel like you know, I've I've tried to do as best I could. I think you've done what he's done in that from, again, from my experience, you don't seem to have changed from when, you know, I had some early dealings with you probably in the, the DVS in the reserve category. You seem a similar bloke now that you're champion. Is that hard to continue down that path, Scotty, when you go from being a nobody to being the biggest fish in the pond? I think no, my mum and dad were always strict on me. You know, like they, dad was so hard on me not to forget who, where I come from hmm. and, um, you know, just uh, how, when I come home, like... Don't don't you don't need to hide from anyone. Let's go for a beer down the pub, or you know, and enjoy. I don't need to do that, but it's more like um, Dad was just very hard on me in that regard. Never wanted me to turn into a big head. Um, so, have uh, you ever have you ever down the path started to go that way, or you don't reckon you have? Oh, there's a couple of prima donna moments. I have to be honest. Like I just you know a few media things I have to do or whatever. But I do cheer myself up pretty quick and realise that this is the game we're in. Yep. I think um, you grow up looking for sponsorship for your carts and your cars and all that sort of stuff coming through so I think for race drivers we're so proper and different to say a footy player because you get there on pure talent where mm. where we have to literally go out searching for cash and um, go and knock it on each door down the road from your house saying you know can you buy a set of tyres for me or whatever or can you put some uh, money into my motorsport <laughs> career and they don't know anything about you so you've got to sell that um, so my dad was always you know hard on me about you know being um very humble down the earth and and uh, and yeah, I don't know, just show who I am. You mentioned a couple of spectacular media moments, and there's no more so than Adelaide <laughs> when you had that amazing race with Wink Up, um, and you talked about Jandals, which half the yes. Australia didn't know what you were talking about. You're wearing them today, mate. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. well, they're thongs. Yeah. For those that yeah, don't yeah, know, yeah. Um, Jandals in New Zealand. It's tramping too. I've never got what tramping is. Anyway, that's another New Zealand. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I reckon that comment probably endeared you to the Australian public as much as anything. I wouldn't have thought there would have been any negative feedback for that. Yeah, that was unreal. I uh, When I did it, I was I was like, oh, my God, I'm done. I thought I was like 25 grand down the drain because we normally get fined for that sort of stuff on TV, especially on the radio. So I couldn't I couldn't imagine what it would be like on a, on a TV interview. But I remember um, the, the fan, the, they just loved it. I, I remember the start of that interview, I looked around and everyone was cheering. I'm like, what, what's going on? Why are they like cheering? And that's why I sort of, I just got really excited and, and carried away. And I gen- genuinely thought Barretts was my, um, my best mate. Mark Barretta, who was interviewing <laughs> yes, you at the time. Yes. Yeah. And, <laughs> uh, I just, yeah, I just said what I did. And um, it was one of those moments that it, it did completely change my life, that little thing. I got away with it. Um the next morning, I, like my shirts had sold out in the merchandise tent. They literally had not enough shirts because Volvo had just come into this board, and really? it was you know they weren't the most popular people in the in the world either. Um, and I guess the, a lot of people said, "Oh, we made Volvo cool after that day." And that fa- my Facebook and my Instagram and all that they all, all went up like twenty grand, twenty thousand fans in, <laughs> in a night. And um, I've, it was just unreal. I've never, never, never thought. Imagine of Volvo, the world's safest car. Yeah. They've, they've had that safe. Yeah. Um, linked to their brand the whole time and probably a little bit nerdy and there's some bloke from New Zealand that comes uh, into an interview and drops the F-bomb <laughs> and all of a sudden Volvo is cool. You could not have said yeah. to any marketing bloke in Volvo for the last 30 years, this could turn it around for you, but uh, it did. Oh, whether they liked it or not, there's a lot of people <laughs> from Sweden there as well, but, um, yeah, from that point on, you know, Volvo was semi-cool again, yeah. which was, uh, you know, a very proud moment for me. Where did it all start for you? Obviously um, back in New Zealand? Yeah, so before I was born, mum and dad uh, raced go-karts. 
Um, and, and What's your mum and dad's name? Uh, Wayne and Di, uh, Diane. Um, I had a sister, Samantha, who's in media right now, and and, um, and and TLA, which is an agency that I've just signed up with, and um, started in Hamilton, New Zealand. They raced, or they gave up when I was uh, when I was when Mum was pregnant with me, and then eventually, uh, you know, I jumped in. You know, a few years later, I went to a motor show actually, and there was a um, there was a go kart uh, display on, and the next day was a have a go day, and let's get the go kart track down the road at Hamilton. And Dad's like, oh, you want to have a crack? We used to do this as a young, uh, as as before you were born. And I was like, oh, okay, yeah. And, you know, he's six years old. You have a crack at anything. So yeah, six years old, wheeled wheeled it down there and had a crack and loved it straight away. I just didn't, yeah. You know, I mean, it was just. Were you good at it straight away? I I, I can't remember. I don't. I think I was not too bad. Um, but it was just something that we we were like, yeah, do you want to do it? And we literally rolled. The, there was a cart there, and funnily enough, that cart had. 33, number 33 on it, and that was my first ever race number, Um, but then turned out to be my first ever supercars race number uh, later down the track, which was quite a cool story, but yeah, I remember just, you know, starting, and I couldn't race till I was seven, so I practiced for about six months, and then... So you're racing, you're driving this thing as a six-year-old? Six-year-old, yeah, yeah, yeah. Six? Yeah, 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 six, so I was just, uh, you know practicing and and getting better and better and i guess i was a one track wonder because i was just practicing on the same track but <laughs> i came out the next the, for club day about six months later um when i was old enough and and went all right and uh but it was never i never thought you know it would be turned into something like this everyone says that but it, it genuinely was something that i i just went got into it and, and got better and i definitely wasn't i don't reckon i was that good i i i I struggled in go-karting. I wouldn't say I was a superstar in go-karting through the years. I didn't win many titles. I learned a lot, uh-huh. but I jumped the cars really early. And um, it was one of those things where I think I just learned a lot more once I left the karting scene. But So how old are you allowed to be when you jump in to race a car? Uh, I think in New Zealand it's 15 because you can get your licence when you're 15 over there. Um, but, yeah, I was 16 at the time when I had my first supercars test um, and that was, yeah, that was unreal. What was know. the first race you ever won in anything? Jeez, uh, I think it was it was at that club day in okay. New Zealand. So it was it was my first one of my first races. I wasn't the it was like heat three or something, but I think it was like four people. So I didn't have to <laughs> win, Scotty. Three of them crashed out. But um, <laughs> so nah. what, what is it? What, what was it as a young boat? Because kids at that age gravitate to certain things. What was it about the motorsport? I just I love the thrill of it. Um, and I just started watching supercars, and uh, Greg Murphy was the New Zealand hero over there. And we went to Pukekohe. It was the first time that supercars had been back there and back in New Zealand, and he absolutely towered them up. And it was probably the coolest moment. And I remember being on the hill there watching there, and I just was like, I want to be a supercars driver. And Formula One, you know, everyone says, oh, that's the dream, rah, rah, rah. But for me, that was never, I was never, I, I always wanted to go down the touring car route. Um, Formula One's cool, don't get me wrong, but it just wasn't my interest. Like, I never watched it. It was too late on at home and mm. all that stuff. So I just, I love supercars, yeah. Who's your favourite motorsport driver in the world right now? Right now, wow, that's um, that's a good question. Is there a bloke that you follow or a girl? Oh, I'm I'm privy to uh, Daniel Ricardo. He's what he can do in a, in the Formula One car and stuff, and how he makes those moves. And I just like his attitude. I think he's he's so cool and calm, and 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 but when he needs to be, he can just be mm. like on it. I think he's, it's very cool to watch. I am, um, yeah, I'm a big fan, but I'm also a big fan of um, not only racing, but just seeing Tiger on the weekend winning the Masters. Like, I'm yeah, probably more so more of a fan of the, how he is about it. He was so, like, focused and, and I, I basically, like, reminded me of what Emma talks to me about and block out everything and... Oh, it was just um, didn't make a mistake in the whole last one. Unreal, hours, did man! He, did like, he? I the just, pressure and bikes were hitting in the water, and and he was just yeah. it was almost seemed inevitable, didn't it? Yeah, yeah. And I wouldn't. I, I just I fully like just admire that bloke. And if anything, I just admire yeah him more than any other race gun driver. I think. Have you got his number? Because I wouldn't mind him on the Howie uh, Games. I wish I did, mate. Hey, I think he's coming over the President's Cup. <laughs> he is though, coming so. over the President's Cup. Um, but, yeah, I'm going to try and catch him at the US Open later in the year right. as well. Yeah. Well, the Howie Games are playing the long game working <laughs> towards the President's Cup. <laughs> and, mate, there's a lot of in between. And as I said, I, I, I want to focus on 2017 and 18 with you. But before <coughs> that, um, your old man is in the trucking business. <laughs> yep, yeah, trucking, yep. Really interesting thing with motorsport that to start, unless you are an absolute freak, 
and even that's not enough sometimes. Mm. You need money to be yep. involved. So yep. you came across to Australia and started driving in the reserve category at age... Oh, Jesus. In karting? Uh, uh, no, in the V8 reserve oh, category. Oh, that, I was 16 when I first 16. started. Yeah, but I moved to Australia in 2003. Was just yeah. a family move? Yeah, so we moved um, uh, for a business uh, opportunity for mum and dad. Dad was over in New Zealand, sold up, and basically um, bought a business here in Melbourne, um, just down the road from Arden Street. And... Uh, it was make or break for them. If that stuffed up, they were done. If it went well, it could go well for them. Um, so my karting did take a bit of a back seat there for a while. And then he got meningitis. He got really sick and, and like, it was touch and go there for a while for me old man. Your dad so, was? Yeah, yeah, really, when we were really young. So um, Do you remember that? Yeah, remember him kind of, like, he, he went to the doctors a few times. He was really sick and they said that he just had a, a virus. Um, and he was, and, and he just went, okay, we'll just take a couple of Panadols, whatever, get on with it. <laughs> and then the next minute he went to another doctor and the guy was like, mate, we're going to need an ambulance for your stat. And he went to, I remember him going, I can't remember, it was right in town, the, sit, uh, the hospital, but I probably wasn't uh, um, aware of how touch and go it really was. But, um, so that was a bit of a curveball because that was two weeks into us, you know, being in, in Melbourne, being in Australia, this is a new place. I was just about to start a new school. Um, I was... I never really wanted to leave Australia. We I didn't leave New Zealand. We no. we we hated the move, um, but it turned out to be the best thing ever. What were you like at school? Uh, I was I actually really enjoyed school. Um, I I, um, I obviously love sport and all that sort of stuff, but I, I, I wish I had more time. I was always away. I think the last year of go kart I raced forty one weekends a year, so I was always you know my my teachers were great with me and gave me homework and stuff, but I was always behind the eight ball. I think I, if I, you know, focused and got on, because I dropped out end of year ten to go into an apprenticeship and race. But I think if I had a bit more time, I think I would have enjoyed it more. Yeah. Apprenticeship in uh, sheet metal fabrication. Um, so what I wanted on, to be, What on earth is that? Yeah. Scotty? So that's welding. Um, I cutting metal. I can basically I I work on a race car. I wanted to be in motorsport somehow, even if I wasn't in supercars. So I literally just. I said, all right, what's the closest thing I can do? And I, I, I had some work experience at, at Stone Brothers Racing in Queensland. And um, they, uh, they, yeah, they said, oh, fabrication is a pretty cool thing. And I was like, okay, I'll give it a crack. And now I can sort of weld and half build a race car, which is cool. So right. oh, I, I did that for, so I started when I was 16 and did a couple of years. And I, and I moved to another uh, job at Pace Innovation. So they were building the car of the future, which was the supercars. So we had a lot of chassis we had to build. And I was, you know, I was a bit of a gopher helping out and whatever, but learned a lot. And then when I moved to Melbourne for my Gary Rogers drive in 2013, um, I uh, I was able to, you know, go into the, the workshop and work. And this the, is, a lot of people don't realise this. So you're a driver at this stage, yes, but yeah, you're working yeah. on the workshop floor. Yeah, so that was part of the deal for when <laughs> I first signed my my first ever contract in in supercars. I was getting paid, but um, it was very little, and, and I was working there on the floor all the time. And, Every time my teammate would screw up or I'd screw up, I'd be in there helping the boys fix the car and fix the dings you'd put in it. Yes, exactly. But <laughs> I, I, it was very cool because I was able to build my first ever supercar that I raced in the full time, and that was something that I'll I'll, I'll never forget. But I, I, there's a classic story. I, I did a radiator. I built um, that we got PWR PWR radiators, but some teams save a bit of money and do the final bits themselves so I was I, that was my job but it was my first ever job was to build my radiator for my car which is a pretty big job for a young bloke because um, a lot can go wrong and I actually the, there's a PWR logo that was uh, normally goes r- right ways up I uh, welded everything upside down <laughs> so it didn't change the radiator the radiator still worked but when you knew, looked at my car the PWR logo was upside down RWP but, yeah, yes and uh, yeah it was a, I got in trouble for that one pretty hard Paul but, Wheel wouldn't have been happy with no, that Paul Wheel racing I think Gary was fine with it because they don't give him any money <laughs> yeah, so that right. was alright <laughs> so we talk about when, when you when you started racing in the uh, development series so for those that don't really follow the sports like the, the reserves mm. takes a lot of money yep obviously your family had to put a bit of backing into it now this is yep. what i was saying it's a funny thing about yeah. motorsport we see it in all the way up to formula one with lance stroll mm-hmm. his old man's worth billions of dollars people immediately say if his man old man wasn't rich he wouldn't be getting a drive mm-hmm. now he's put in some pretty tasty performances lance stroll so he's obviously got some ability did you get much of the the only bloke reason this place getting a drive is because his dad's paying for it yeah for sure i um funny thing isn't it motorsport yeah when that? i was 16 um i was the youngest one of the youngest ever to race a supercar my dad never liked Formula ford because unfortunately we lost um a friend uh at uh 
Bukowie in New Zealand. He died in a former Ford accident. And Dad, would, Mum and Dad were like, nah, you're not never racing one of them. So we did some testing, but we never raced that. So it was basically our idea was go straight to supercars. But yeah, that was just when Facebook and all that stuff had just got big and, and obviously I was on that. Um, but man, I caught some hate. I, did you? Yeah, what yeah as stuff? a young bloke, just like... Yeah, just a young bloke, rich kid that, you know, doesn't deserve the chance. He's done nothing in go-karting, um, you know, all, all this sort of stuff. And look, some of it was like, true. I hadn't done much. I've won a couple of state titles in go-karts, but I don't think I was bad. Um, but you're 16. That's not yeah. an easy thing to deal with at 16. Yeah, yeah. But mum and dad put a lot of money in, but we were lucky we had a lot of sponsors as well. But mum and dad worked their bums off to get me some sponsorship and... Um, you know, I had a lot of other people behind the scenes helping, but it was hard, you know, because the first race I had, you know, I, I stalled on the grid and got walloped up the ass, you know, and, and that wasn't a great start. So Big hit too. Yeah, yeah, and instantly I'm on the back foot, you know, I'm, you know, people were like, you know, this kid can't do it, you know, and supercars cut throat, you know, you got to either show what you can do or, you know, get out and you can't keep spending millions and millions of dollars to do it. And um, But yeah, absolutely, copped a lot of that. Um, and I guess it made me respect more people coming up, younger people, even if they are, you know, wealthy, if they're well off or if they're not, you know, I respect and I, I wait, you know, I want to, I give them a chance, you know, mm. and, and that's what frustrates me a lot about motorsport and the fans. They don't give people chances to show one, who they are and what they've got. Um, yeah, I just had a stereotype straight away. So, yeah, but now it's all turned around, which is, uh, that pisses me off because it's like, you know, people just swing with the breeze. Hard, do. doesn't matter, no matter how you're going, you know, it's the same with football clubs and I understand that sport and it's emotional, but it, man, it pisses me off. I've, again, just worked on the periphery of it with 10 for, for 10 years and mm. I always found the athletes fantastic to deal with and you'd come in every two, three, four times a year and people would be fantastic. The athletes were fantastic yeah, yeah. to deal with. I've never seen from the outside a more political sport uh, than V8 supercars, yeah. whether it runs through the way the it's broadcast, the way mm. it's run, the way teams are run. Mm. It's very political, isn't it? I'm, uh, it's frustrating because we run a lot on, on sponsorship dollars. We wouldn't be here without sponsorship, but you, you, you take away a lot of people's emotions and stuff especially with what you can and can't say and then if someone's doing a good job it's always pointing the finger at you know slowing them down um you know and and, and I, i'm but i'm grateful that i went through that at a younger age mm. all that stuff because it's definitely turned me into someone different and and looking i guess i, tr I almost treat people differently in the real world as well because i just give them a chance where maybe before i wouldn't have um it was bloody hard though, man. Like you, you think about it. A sixteen-year-old he's going to bed and looking at Facebook, and there's all these dudes on there just basically into him saying he's just no good, and mm. you just yeah. Even thinking about it now, man, it like it pisses me off. And like, well, you're like, sixteen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 16. You're not equipped. You're probably not equipped at twenty-six. Or yeah, like and 16. I probably shouldn't have been on social media at that time. You know, like, let's be honest. Like, but it, that's just what it was. You know, you're at school. You're like, are you on Facebook or? And that's why it's so dangerous, some of this stuff, you know, and I've definitely got um, better with it all now. I'm, I, I run the thing, if the, you know, if you can't cop some sprays on social media, then you shouldn't be on there. You, you, I love replying to some people as well. It's mm -hmm. awesome. You've got you've to have some banter back. Um, but, you know, you always got to be mindful that you're also a role, role model for people. But I think, yeah, the political side of the sport is just, it's unfortunate. AFL, I feel like you get away with it. You can say what you want. You think, you know, this guy goes, he played bad or he played like a, you know, very selfishly or whatever. Where supercars, you sort of, you, you get told to hold back. The media can't say what they want sometimes because they get barred or whatever. I think we should be a bit more open. I think we should let them say, you know, oh, this team is, is going real bad and they need to make some big changes and, and then point at the person. Make, that, that's controversial. That builds yeah. sport. It's sport. They, but they hate it. They, they don't like saying... They don't like the political side. It's and, very sanitised, you know, isn't and, it? And I just... I think it just makes our sport so popular. Imagine if there was 25 Dave Reynolds in the pit lane. Yeah. Speaking yeah, their yeah, mind. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like, but would it be? Dave's a unit. He's an absolute unit, but he speaks his mind. He and, is. Um, uh, yeah, I... I understand that you know, like the, the the brands we represent, but yeah, I'd I'd love to do that a bit more. And hey, you, 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 I I was standing next to your dad 
in a in a production <laughs> role. No, nah, when when you did your lap at Bathurst in qualifying, um, and and your mum was there, and mm. you'll realise more, Scotty. I don't want to. Well, you'll realise more when you have children. What what I could see in their eyes at that stage. Um, mm. I appreciated what you did on the track, but I probably seeing your mum and dad and their reaction was probably <laughs> the best thing I saw a weekend. So how do you say thanks to your parents when they've put in financial, um, emotional, everything mm. to get you where you are and now you're a success? Like, can you ever just sit down and say thanks or yeah. well, how do you do it? I think my dad just enjoys going down for a beer with me, you know, and, and knowing that we still have that relationship. Um, he was at Phillip Island with me, um, just gone, and, and it was so cool. They don't come to races that often because, one, they're getting older and... and Stand around a racetrack and the cold is not that good, but um, they see more on TV anyway, so mm. they enjoy it. And I'm so busy these days with corporate stuff and you know all that stuff. But um, I don't know. Yeah, I, I'd love, I'd love to be earning like forty million dollars to be able to just buy them a house, but I can't. But um, it's, I think, me just being me and 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 always being that family. Uh, orientated bloke that I've always been I think you know that that's their thanks you know see me grow up and then the success and now I've got my fiance Carly who's you know they adore and um yeah I I, th- I don't think they expect anything but it's just a, it's something that they, they enjoy but my dad is so passionate he's um I know there's many stories of him just walking around the pits just going crazy like just worried and nervous my mum's half getting drunk on wine because she can't handle the, the pressure um so she that's her that's her token have a couple of sabs before the start of the race but um look I I yeah I love them dearly um wouldn't be here without them um yeah I don't know how it's, it's funny even when you bring it up it's just like I don't even know how to well, it's yeah. a debt you can't repay. No, is it? There's nothing no. you could say or do that will ever repay that debt. Yeah, I think many people. Are, are, but parents don't look at it as a debt. No, you, you're a parent. Yeah. I think you got, you just look at it like you know you're so proud. And I, I yeah, I'm I'm very excited one day to have kids because it's going to be like I, I just want to feel what they went through, you know. And yeah, um, whether they become a racer, golf or whatever, they could do anything. I don't care. But like, it's just that. I want to feel like what mum and dad went through because it would be completely different being, you know, that bath, that bath is like for me was awesome, amazing. But, you know, I couldn't imagine what it would be like for mum and dad seeing that happen. Like they they created me. So it's very yeah. cool, you know. Mm. No, it was it was my favourite, one of my favourite things we've ever seen at Bathurst. You win your first V8 supercar race for yeah. Gary, mm-hmm. which in 20 words or less was? Uh, unreal. It was just it saved my career because I I signed basically a, con- a one way contract that you know if it all went pear shaped and I finished outside the top fifteen or I, I was uh, able to be sacked in six months. So tell tell me about that. Yeah, so I was. So who who does the negotiations at that uh, stage? It was just what we had on the table. So I won the. So d- you, yeah, you got no hand. Yeah, it was basically I need to be in the series. Yeah. So I was like, I want to drive for you, whatever. So I basically signed up. I think I was on. Like thirty grand a year. Um, that was including working there, so I had to be there full time working. Including. Yeah, yeah, including, and a um, couple of bonuses that if I hit and won, that would be awesome. Right. But they didn't think I would hit them as well. Yeah, yeah. But um, yes, yeah, twenty thirteen uh, signed that deal, and it was basically what I had. And if I finished outside the top fifteen, which was very likely for in the a, championship. Well, yeah, overall, and halfway yep. through they could go bang. You know, that's performance clause out. I had you been um, halfway through, halfway through the season. Season or end, yeah, it was the end of the season as well. You could do that, but yeah, it, Gary was well within his right to get rid of me. Um, huh. And I remember, you know, I won the a race at Albert Park, which was non championship. And then he was like, "Oh, that was a good race for a And then Pukkawi was where I won my first Supercars Championship race, and that that was where he basically threw a contract on the table, three years, company cars, all that sort of stuff. And it was like you're staying, and yeah. So not only was that a massive win for me and my life, it, like I, I needed something. I needed to show you know that, and you know, it's funny how things work because I think any rookie coming into the sport lately, you know, they've been outside the top fifteen. So I could have been nowhere, you know. So and we wouldn't be sitting here now. It's, maybe not. Howie. It's maybe well, not. who knows? Yeah, who knows? maybe not. Back to Scotty in a moment. Next up on the Howie Games, really excited about this one. On Thursday, October 24, we are stoked to feature a man that has had to deal with a level of pressure that few of us mere mortals can relate to. See, 
this bloke was riding a horse that just kept on winning and winning and winning, meaning the good people wanted to see it win some more and more and more. The horse is called Winx, the guest, Hugh Bowman. So did the pressure ever get to you? Did the, did the pressure get to a level where it was... Because it, as I say, Hugh, like you're very matter-of-factor about it, but by gee whiz, you're under the pump. There was two, only only two times. It was a third Cox Plate and in her in her last race were the two times where the scrutiny was just almost exhausting. Her, her last Cox Plate, I was pretty up and about, but I, I was really confident. Um, but the third Cox Plate, I, I was yeah, I was pretty nervous before that race, but uh, that that was really the the main two. The third Cox Plate and the, yeah, the, so, the, the last race because it was there was no looking forward. It's almost like the the floodgates were about to open, and I could absorb everything that I'd just been through over the last four years with her because I don't think I really had absorbed it, and I'm not sure that I have now. But there was no tomorrow in the you know. Whereas up until the last race. It was a process, and that's the way I looked at it. It was just going through a process. And that's Hugh Bowman on Thursday, October 24, on the Howie Games. All righty, back to Scott. Um, you end up signing with Roger Penske, who has written the forward to your book. Now, for people that don't follow motorsport, he's a bigger name as there is in motorsport. Mm. He says here in the forward... Scott may not be fully aware of the impact he has had on our organisation. His accomplishments on and off the track go beyond the Virgin Australia Supercar Series. It even extends beyond the borders of Australia. His approach, dedication and his championship drive has served as an inspiration to more than 60,000 Penske employees around the world. You can't be serious. Like, that's... (laughs) It's very cool, eh? Well, it's... If people that do understand the sport, he's the biggest name almost in world motorsport in some ways mm. and he's writing that about you yeah and i was so surprised he wrote that for me because i actually asked hey i'm writing a book can you can you write the ford for me he was straight away it was on our desk within two days <laughs> and um yeah i have so much respect for that man and what he's done with his sport and to drive for him is just an absolute bonus um, but when he sees stuff stuff like that it's that's that's where you got to pinch yourself. You got to be just like, well, what the hell? Like, this is actually serious. And uh, I won a championship at Penske, and no one can ever take that away from me. True or false that when you were looking to sign with Penske and the contract came, it can be signed by all manner of people, but you wanted it actually signed by Penske because yeah. you wanted his signature on the contract? Yeah, yeah, I did. I uh, I, I, <laughs> I like that, Scotty. I, I did a lot of the deals with Tim Sindrick's Ryan Story. Yeah. But I said, um, out of respect to both of you guys, I want my contract signed by Roger, my first one at least signed. It was so cool, man. He signs it in like a Sharpie. <laughs> And he says, chairman on the board. And, and it's just like, holy crap. And at this stage, I, I had met him only once. So it was like, that was, yeah, it was unreal. And I framed it. Have you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's on my wall. And who does all that side of it? Like obviously, you're involved with TLA now, Craig Kelly's yep. company. But prior to that, are you sitting in on negotiations? or have you got uh, a- Initially, I, I actually, I reached out to Tim and... Um, when I was uh, 2014, and that was purely just for for NASCAR, and um, just saying, hey, this is my details, rah rah. Um, I'd love to catch up with you with it, and I know you, I, this. They weren't even supercars then, so it was purely just like a name. I wanted to be one day. I would love to, you know, drive for your team at hmm. some stage. Um, a couple of years later, they called me up and, and said, "What goes on?" So I, I I was in the initial discussions for sure, but now I've got a guy. Um, who, Who's a, a basically a family friend um, of 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 yeah of our family. He's a lawyer, um, and basically he just does everything. He's got a really good relationship with um, myself. I'm, I'm one of my best mates, but also um, with Simpson Drick and all those people, and 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 he does all that for me. TLA now they look after me commercially. Yeah, but um, yeah, the 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 majority of all that stuff I, I I sat out of, but I did a I I did initial discussions for sure. 
So now we get to the gist of it, Scotty, and what, what your book Road to Redemption is about. Yep. And you mentioned Emma a couple of times. Yep. We'll get to Emma. Yep, yep. Um, I'm probably jumping ahead here. No, Sorry, no, mate. no, you're not. Not but, used to the stuff. I think... All right, you tell me in your words. 2017, it comes to the final race of the season. Mm. The final weekend of the season. <laughs> Even when you talk about now, I'm like... Ugh. Yeah, I know. Yeah. How much are we leading the championship by? Uh, I think 76 points. Seen by so, no. <laughs> seen by many as the unlosable, mm. really. So mm. talk me through the weekend and your reflections on it. Um, oh, the weekend was I was I was purely excited because at that stage I was coming from behind. I was behind Wink Cup, so before the Saturday race I was fifty points behind. Um, but this is my mindset going in that I completely changed. I literally made an Excel spreadsheet with every position with what points, what I needed to do, where Wink Cup had to finish for me to get in front, which was stupid because all I was doing was focused on Wink Cup and not myself. So that was lesson one that I did was wrong. And then led on Saturday, uh, he had a problem. I won the race, probably the best day of my life. It was amazing, one, two, finish for the team. And then coming to Sunday, and I remember just not being able to sleep Saturday night. So how much are you leading the championship by oh, now? That, that's 76 points now. Right, 76 points. Um, so you had to finish... I had to finish 11th. Right. Even if he won the race, I had to finish 11th. So I basically all I had to... And like, I think my worst finish all year was like 10th. So you go to bed that night? Yeah, I go to bed that night going to my fiancé or my then girlfriend, Carly, going, my God, I'm going to I'm gonna win this. I'm probably going to win this thing. Um, and just thinking of everything, like what... You know, it's bad to say, but I was like thinking, like, what am I going to do when I win the like with the trophy and like all this? And I'm just an idiot, you know. And and um, yeah, I remember just waking up. I had the worst sleep of my life. Woke up the next day, and I just, I, yeah, it was just uh, I had a weird feeling. Something that I knew that was uh, something was going to happen, and um, was freaking out about a few things, especially before the race. What type of things? Just like you know, the situation and not stuffing up and thinking, come on, I just want this race to be over, you know? And, and I think any t- I, I almost didn't want to do the race, you know? I almost didn't want to race that race that day. I just wanted to get it over with and celebrate. And, you know, I, I was so focused on the outcome but didn't realise that I had a lot of A and B to get in between. Um, and that's something I learned down the track with Emma, what I needed so to So at that point before you get in the car... Mm. You're with uh, the Dick Johnson team. Roger Penske there at this yep, stage? Yeah, Roger's there, yeah. Um, Flew on his jet from America. So <laughs> to see you, yeah. let's be honest, win the championship. Yeah. yeah. Does anyone at that stage, Scotty, address or think about the mental aspect of what you're going through? No, well, I didn't. I, even then I didn't think it was a, you know, a problem. I thought I was just a normal racer, you know, with nerves. I've always had nerves before I race. But, yeah, no, no, it was... It was never so no oblivious one, to everyone. No one sits you down for five minutes and say, mate, take no, your really. time or anything like no, that. No, no. It's it was, purely about getting the best performance out of the car. Yep, for the team, for the sponsors, right. all that sort of stuff. But it was nothing talked about mentally. I think that was always like, stay focused. You know, but that's easy stuff you can say. Like, yeah, it's just a throwaway line. It is. It is a throwaway line. But you know, there's a lot of things. And even now, looking back at it, I, don't even, I didn't even know some of the stuff that was going through my head. That, But now I know after studying all that mind stuff that... You know, it was so bad. Yeah, it was so bad what was going on that day. So the race starts perfectly well? Yeah, going well. Um, I actually led the race. Um, was going well and... and um, you only need to finish top 11. Yep. So you're leading, things yeah. are under control. Early safety car, come in the pits, no dramas. Um, come back out. You know, I'm behind um, David Reynolds at the time. They short filled. And then we had to pit again. Uh, come in, the guys sit on the radio a couple of laps before, you know, just be careful. There's a you know, there's been a few people get pinged um, coming to the pit speeding. All that so, sort of stuff. so what's the speed limit you're allowed uh, to do? Forty kilometres per hour. Okay. Um, so yeah, and there's a line basically where you got to put the speed limiter on, which we have. Which is what? What process do you go uh, through? So you basically, there's a button on my top right on my steering wheel electronically. I uh, push the button before I come in, and I've just got to be under forty k's before I hit this line. I was like, all right, and I, I was really easy on it. Um, and and I didn't go in harder, but I had Van Gisberg and my uh, my championship sort right of foe, up rival, right up my clacker, so I had to be careful. Brakes hard, stop. Seemed like I stopped it. All right, and I got through the pit stops and we got away. So I only had one more pit stop to go at that stage. I was I think I was second cruising. 
Are you at any stage at this point thinking about uh, like the, the race outcome? Yeah, I think once I got racing, I was all right. I was okay. probably a bit more... After that stop, I was like, oh, my God, we're going all right. This is looking good. Wind Cup's like seventh, all this sort of stuff. Then I get a couple of hours later, did you speed on the... Oh, did you speed? Did you speed? I'm like, no. This is from the team on the from radio. From the team on the radio. They're like, did you speed, mate? I'm like, no, no, no. I, I was... 100% I was under. I was 100%. They're like, oh, you know, did, did Gizzy nudge you? Did Van Gisberger nudge you uh, coming into the pit lane? I'm like, no, mate. I, like, I I promise you I wasn't speeding. And I, I to this day, I swear I wasn't speeding. But anyway, that's, a, that's another story. Pit lane penalty for car 17. Pit speed entry. McCorkler has got a penalty. This could be a game changer. Oh. We get done for speeding. How do they prove it? That you're speeding. How is it done? Is it done by radar or is it's, it loops in that the... That was a loop, a timing loop. So from A to B, I think it's like five metres on yep. the entry to the pit lane. They so time, from the white line. From the white line to five metres into the pit lane. Yep. You know, some people used to, back in the day, speed in that point because the gun wasn't looking at them. So they've tried to stop that. <laughs> um, just the motorsport trying Bloody to get anything you want. Bloody motor drivers, yeah. Um, but yeah, I... So yeah, I got done for speed in that point. So they tell so you on the radio. They tell me on the radio. What do you think? I'm like, there's no way. So I was already angry. I'm like, there's no way I was speeding. There's no way. And we looked at the data later on. This is another story, but it's wrong. But anyway, we've got cop the penalty. So you don't think um, you were speeding? No. Still to this day. I know I wasn't speeding. I know I was speeding. Oh, hell yeah, I know it. But there's a lot of things that went into that race that I did that, you know, stuffed me up anyway. But I was like, no, all right, I'll take the penalty. So I come out of the pits. I was 23rd. So I had yeah twelve cars to pass, and then supercars. That's bloody hard, especially Newcastle. Yeah, Newcastle. to get back to your eleventh position. So I was like, just a yeah rabbit on heat, just like yeah <laughs> got after it and passed. I was passing many cars. There was a lot of people out there that were really good. Let me go. There's a lot of people also that were just complete assholes and didn't. Um, give me anything which was something that you just lock in the memory bank one day and if they're going for a championship mm-hmm. sweet as good as gold <laughs> um, but it was yeah that was, it was just full on and I, and that was when I started freaking out that's when I started losing my breath started losing you know sense of oh my god I'm going to lose this I need to do something crazy so everything was actually coming back to normal I was passing cars I was getting up through the, the races and so uh, this was affecting your breathing and everything yeah 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 physically like I was I was rooted I was you know I was puffing and going out. I was really erratic so I come up to Simona de Silvestro who's a great driver and um, I thought I know I had just passed a couple of cars they had let me go and um, Simona was you know pretty good and she didn't block me or anything and I, I went for a very half move and I just thought oh she'll see me she turned down I spun her out oh no this no. is for Gotland no oh, he's not far enough he's going to oh my god in second, time penalty, car 17 for a driving infringement. 15 seconds. The so moment, 15 seconds, puts him back to 22nd. Second penalty. Well, so all what, the was work, that, what was that penalty? That was for spinning her out. So, yeah, that, so was what, a, that was a pit lane penalty. So that was a, just a complete drive-through. So you drive through the pit lane? Yep, and that was just go. before our pit stop. So, so I pitted. So, what position were you trying to get at that stage? I think that was for eleventh. Eleventh, yeah. Right. That, so that you was, pitted. I pitted, and I've gone back to twenty third. <laughs> Come on, so I've got to do it all again. And um, so, uh, I speak about this all in my book too, Howie. So just yes. remember that for everyone. My word. <laughs> but um, road to redemption. Yeah, but I. So then, that was all my fault. That was just me being completely out of my mind um, and passing Simona. Um, and then I had to make my way back through. So at the end, I think I was lucky I had a couple of safety cars that got me back. We had our last pit stop. I was thinking I was, the last safety car was 13th. So I had two cars to pass. It was Garth Tander, James Moffat. But the problem was I knew I could probably get them, but I had Triple Eight had put Lowndes on a strategy that was had a more, uh, he had fresher tyres. They pitted him for tyres. So he's he's Jamie Winkup's teammate. teammate. Yeah. So this is a man Sorry, that can help should, Jamie. No, yeah, this yeah. is a man that can help Jamie win the championship. And I yeah. see how wound up you are now, even talking yeah, about yeah, that yeah, whole situation. I'm like puffing right yeah. now, thinking about it. But I, I uh, so yeah, he's he he's behind. I knew he was coming, so I'm like, I have to get past these two blokes. I have to pass them. So I was stuck behind them for a while, and then Lowndes got behind me. He couldn't do much. But I had, so after that, I had to block Lowndes but try and pass these guys. So 
I was using double the energy I was for my physically, but also on the cars. Managed to get past Lan- uh, sorry Tanda with three or four to go. Bombed off to get past him. Two like two to go. So two laps to go. You're in the position you need to be. Yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah. To start start the final lap. Um, no, two to go. I'm, I'm, no, start the final lap. I'm in, in position to win the championship. At the moment, McLaughlin's got this. He's just managed to grab 11th place. That is enough for a championship. This is crazy. But Lowndes followed me through on all those passes. He's right behind me. Going to turn one, my car's a bit bent from a few contacts and stuff, and I just made a blue. Went, I was, I, that was, again, another thing that I'll never forget was I was like, oh, my God, I'm going to win it. I'm going to win it. You know, it's going to happen. Going to turn one, and I locked the front left wheel, went wide. This is not done, folks. This is unbelievable. Now Craig Lowndes, if he passes McLaughlin, he's off! He's made a mistake. Lowndes is down the inside. Lowndes got a run on me, and he was beside me going up, and he had the inside line for the next corner. But I blocked him, basically drove him to the fence because I was like, there's no way there's going to be... Uh, I, I'd i lost my mirror on that side, but I was like, there's no way he's coming through. So I barged him into the fence. He popped out of suspension, spun. There was a huge kerfuffle, like he spun out, and I kept going. He's made a mistake, Lowndes is down the inside. They're going to crash. They've hit on the way up the hill. Unbelievable. Lowndes broken the front left. He's out of business. Lowndes is out of business. Oh, he's off the road. What an extraordinary end to Craig Lowndes' day. Unbelievable. This is going to be a bitter fight to the end. So by this stage, I'm still in the championship. Lands is out, but I've done something pretty bad, something pretty illegal. Did you think at the time that's going to cause me trouble? Or uh, I think if he didn't spin, I think it was purely the outcome of it. Like yep. if he didn't spin, he would have been all right. Uh, I would have been all right. I was just racing, but because um, it popped out the suspension and really ruined his race, I knew, yep, I'm pretty screwed. But I was like, oh, they might let me go. Just pressed on, crossed the line. I won the championship. And for five seconds. So you crossed the line thinking, yeah, I'm the champion? Well, I crossed it going, oh, my God, I think I've saved it. I don't know what to tell you. Wincup is going to win this race. Currently, McLaughlin will win the championship unless he is penalised. And then about 10 seconds later, they got told that we got a 15-second penalty. Ended up 18th. So they tell you that on the radio? Yeah. Pit lane penalty, car 17 for a driving infringement. Pit lane penalty for car 17, driving infringement. A post-race pit lane penalty for car number 17 for a driving infringement. What happened? Am I the champion or not? Hey, Scotty, not at the moment because they give us a drive-through. They gave us a drive-through for the contact with Craig, so at the moment, no, we are P2. What happens then? I just... Start crying, just, um, just oh, I don't know what I, I was just I couldn't. Um, it's just like the hardest moment in my life, you know. I worked, I worked so hard to get to that point from when I was six years old, you know, getting sponsorships and stuff, and and then I I was in a position, a great team to win, and I had the big boss there, Roger, watching me, and I felt like I just I felt like a failure. I felt like a, well, I was I, I was a loser. Um, there's a lot of lot of um, emotions, but um, I sort of pulled it in because Dad was always hard on me when I was younger. He's like, "If you're ever going to cry, you go on the trailer and you don't do it with anyone. You don't show your emotion because you know they don't, no one likes a sore loser." He was always strict on me like that, so sort of pulled it all in when I was coming to the pits, but just broke down again when I walked in and basically saw everyone and DJ crying. It was like a grand final defeat for a losing team, you know, in AFL. So yeah, it was um, it was it was so hard, and 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 then that night, like trying, like they had organised like a an after party type thing and a championship party. championship party, and <laughs> we're there having a few beers. But what do you talk about? Like, you, do you talk about what happened on the day, which was hard not to? We won the teams championship, which was a very co- a big thing, but everyone wanted to win the drivers championship as well. And um, yeah, I've never been. I was so embarrassed. Embarrassed? That's yeah, an unusual I was, word. Yeah. I was just like, like, this is just, yeah, I was, I don't especially when I rocked up to the gala dinner the next night, the wards didn't like our brand low. The very dinner, next night. The next night and seeing Jamie with the championship cup and 
all the highlights literally from the race in Newcastle and literally every highlight mate like there was like four or five highlights and it was all my stuff ups it was all everything that I did wrong um, oh man but it, if, if I needed motivation for anything that like that was it because I left gala dinner I didn't drink I left gala dinner had a left at 10.30 straight after the awards I said Carly we're getting an early flight home I'm going straight to the gym <laughs> and just basically that that I've never been so focused on training and in that portion of the year normally you come home and you're over it you'd like you just want to break I literally come home and said to my trainer I was like let's train I need to get better I'm going to be better it's going to happen um, and at this stage I didn't know who Emma was um, so you were getting the physical better at yeah this stage. I was just like and I needed to get it out of me I was so deflated so but so wound up and I just wanted to punch someone and yeah but mate I, that <clears throat> that 24 hours would have to be one of the worst of my life like just the the way I went about it as a person as well I just was um, yeah I just I can't even like even now I'm just like yeah it was full on man it's full on we'll get to winning yeah. how often do you now think back Oh, this is the first time for a long time I've thought right. about it. I remember what emotion do you have now, two years on? I'm still gutted because it should kind of be two time. You know, I should be like won two championships, you know. Um, but it, you know, it is what it is. It is one of the things. I, I just got to. I, I had to learn from it. I had a massive negative in my life that I had to try and change it to a positive the next year. I had to try and make it somewhat you know but I had that but that also puts pressure on you because you you put expectation on yourself so um yeah I, I, but I remember that's what Roger said to me and Tim they, they basically Tim Sindrick he's a president of Penske Racing they both said to me look that's a massive negative you're probably not going to get any more of a negative in your life but what we're going to do we're going to use that negative energy and we're going to turn it into a positive and that's exactly what I did come back from training come back from gala straight into the gym literally punching bags and you know biking and all that jazz and just um, just got fitter and I turned up to 2018 the fittest I've ever been as an engaged man yes now talk just, yeah. just let's just sidetrack yeah, the engagement for a from minute here. well just so we can just wind things back a bit now <laughs> I, I look at the book and it's got some brilliant photos but there's amazing photos of you in America whereabouts in America on bended knee yes in uh, Bryant Park New York okay so you're in New York you're on bended knee you're, my fiance's uh, hometown too. right yeah. so you're proposing to your beautiful fiance <laughs> yep. but there's a great photographic record of the whole situation oh my how does that how does that happen <laughs> Scotty, because yeah, I'm a I'm a bit of a romantic mate. Right. I, uh, so how did you make this happen? Um, uh, I literally went online and found a. Um, oh, actually no, my one of Carly's friends, Maddie, he's right. a great guy. He um he put me onto a lady. He said, "No, you got to get some photos of this." And I'm like, "Yeah, I, I understand." So it kind great, of great uh, photos. Uh, yeah. Right. Um. So he he was really the one that put it on for me. Um. Told me about the photos, but. Brian Park's where I want to do it because that's where we had one of our first dates because um, she was still living in New York at the time when I first met her and um, had everything sorted. I, I, I uh, Big, nice big ring too, uh, Scott. Uh, yeah, I'll yeah, bet you you okay. That's <laughs> fake, fake diamonds. Oh, yeah, yeah no. Sure <laughs> um, no, look, it was, uh, yeah, that was awesome. That was greatest, one of the greatest days of my life. Um, and that was a, such a big sidetrack from what had gone on a yes. month ago. So this is Thursday the 21st of December, so it's a month later. So I, my question for you so, yeah, yeah, yeah. is, <laughs> does the photographer just sort of <laughs> hang around in the background yeah. tailing you? Yeah, no, CIA no. style or what happens? Well, we had you to tell be, them where it's going to be? Uh, Carly's sister knew what was going on. Right. And she, was, and she was sort of liaising with where we had to be. But I told the photographer where I wanted to go. Okay. I want to have the tree in there and somewhat. Because I, I knew Carly loved that sort of stuff. And, and the tree's front and centre in the yeah, background. Oh, yeah, not bad. Mate. So and so the photographers there ready to go. Yep. So did yep. you have a quick look to make sure the photographers there? No, I said because I had a card drawn up what I what I had on it what I wanted because I knew I'm a bit of a I'm a bit of a sook mate. So I, I that's a beautiful uh, thing, Scott. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I I put on what I needed to say because I knew I couldn't get it out and I told her once that card comes out you're basically ready to go. So she, I could I could hear in the side of you all this clicking and Carly couldn't because she was just oblivious to it. But then yeah it was literally at, at the end of the card it says something like you know. When you finish it, look look at me. 
Barrow. And that's when I went down on one knee. Fantastic. Yeah. Well, a military style operation. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's the end of Scotty Mac episode A. Plenty more to come in part B where Scott takes us down the path to redemption. See you on the flip side. And we can do it if we try, try, try. If we try, try, try. If we try, try, try. Listener.